Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Friday, June 8, 2018. Welcome back to the Eye on College Basketball Podcast. Got Matt Norlander here with me. And let's be honest, not a whole lot has happened in the world of college basketball since we last spoke, which I believe was last Saturday morning. But we promised you an Eye on College Basketball Podcast every single week of the offseason. And so here we are. Norlander, can you make up something to talk about? Well, I, there's not even anything we need to make up. We've got a few things, but... Every single week might be a little too high of a promise because I know for sure you're going to go on a vacation eventually here. And I'm going to I'm going to I mean, I got a second child coming in September parish, so I'm going to try and maybe squeeze in one even week's staycation. So we'll get it going. But uh, let's not promise something that I know that we will not be able to deliver on because I I can damn near guarantee uh, you're going to get lost in the world at some point between now and the start of next off next season. I am taking a vacation. Uh, I believe it'll be after the July evaluation period. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's rephrase the promise. Here's the promise. We will have a new episode of the Ion College Basketball Podcast every week of the offseason unless one of us is on vacation or unless we just don't feel like it. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. Absolutely. Um, all right. So there are three. I think right now. If you want to get some draft stuff on the back end of this, we can do that. But there are three headlines from the past week, and I can't believe, as a side note, it's already June 8th. I mean, don't get me wrong. The offseason's very long, um, but I just can't believe we are already more than two months removed from when we were sitting uh, in San Antonio um, and watching Villanova win its second title in three years. Three headlines this week in a relatively slow week in college basketball. You've got the smallest of the three is... Mike Davis going from Texas Southern to Detroit Mercy. That coaching search lasted a long time. He's going. Uh, I do want to hit on that real quick. You've also got Bruce Pearl getting renewed at Auburn, his contract. And by the way, that comes amid an athletic director change. And they had a big softball scandal there. So a lot of people lost their jobs in the Auburn Athletic Department. Bruce Pearl was not among them. And then the third one, the biggest one, was John Beeline deciding to stay at Michigan, not take the Pistons job. Which of those three do you want to kick off with? Well, let's start with Beeline because that's probably the biggest headline. I mean, Bruce got an extension, and that is um, that, 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 that was notable, noteworthy, and, and something that created discussion. But nobody thought Bruce Pearl was not going to be Auburn's coach next season, at, you know, any time before, you know. As of Monday morning, which is when the extension was announced, nobody thought Bruce Pearl was going to be doing anything next year except coaching Auburn. But uh, there was some earlier in the week, uh, dating back to last week, uh, some question about whether John Beeline would be coaching Michigan uh, next season because he interviewed with the Detroit Pistons. And there was, um, John has said, mutual interest. He was intrigued by the possibility of moving to the NBA, but ultimately announced that he is remaining at Michigan. That does not, just so we're clear, mean that he turned down the Pistons. He might have just got tired of the process or thought that he was on the outside looking in at the job. It's a little bit like Kelvin Sampson removing himself from consideration for the Orlando Magic job at the exact time the Orlando Magic was hiring somebody else. I mean, this is, you know, there, there could be a, a, a variety of reasons why Beeline is staying at Michigan other than he just decided he wants to be at Michigan. But he is going to be the head coach of Michigan, and 
that's a good thing for Michigan, and I think you could also say a good thing for college basketball. Uh, yeah, no, great thing for college basketball. The the more smart coaches we can have in, in the game, the better. Um, not the uh, not the greatest quote, but not a boring coach by any means. Uh, he's he's pretty enlightening to be around uh, to interview, and and I certainly saw a lot of that um, this past NCAA tournament with Michigan making a run to the title game. Um, I do wonder if he genuinely removed himself from consideration when he might have still had a shot for this well, we still don't have a Pistons head coach that's been named yet and what will happen a lot and specifically in college basketball is when these coaches are going for jobs um, at least uh, from my purview and Parrish I'd love for you to chime in and give me uh, your perspective on this as well because quite frankly uh, particularly when it comes to some um, mainstream top 30 type hires you very often um, are at the forefront of a lot of information that doesn't become public but I've noticed over the past five years, um, it seems, you know, it, it used to be where if you were a coach interviewing for a job, either the coach or someone close to the coach, be it an agent or someone else, would certainly want that word to be out there uh, because, one, it could enhance the coach's prospects of getting a new contract where he was or just g- – Enhance his overall profile. If your name is out there and you're interviewing for certain jobs, it certainly is good for your rep. Uh, more and more in college, I find that um, particularly agents are, are a little bit gun-shy about that kind of stuff now. They don't necessarily want it out there uh, until it's right up against a, a potential hiring. And if an agent, in, in fact, believes or a coach believes that they are going to be hired, it's not like that anymore. And so what you get in college is when, it, when a coach realizes or that coach's representation realizes that – they're not going to be getting a certain job, but it's already been out there that they've been interviewed for it. The coach will, quote, remove himself <laughs> from consideration, which all, which honestly, uh, there are I'm sure there are times where it is genuine they want to remove themselves. But more often than not, the coach knows that they will not be getting that job and they want to save a little bit of face. And so to fight that now, I think we've seen a change in the in the business and in the industry where they are trying to not have their name mixed into these kind of jobs because while there is a certain benefit to it, pairs, there's also a potential drawback where, hey, you've interviewed for, you know, we publicly have seen these reports. You've interviewed for four jobs and you haven't gotten one yet and could be a little more detrimental. Do you agree with how that's kind of shifted just a little bit, kind of pulled back the curtain inside baseball stuff over the past five, six years? Sure. I I think coaches and agents don't mind when – the reports are as simple as school X is interested in this guy because it shows that or at least suggests there's a market for you and that um, other possible employers are interested in it. Even if you're not interested, it can, uh, you know, it can create a situation where you, where your own employer, where you plan on staying anyway um, is a little more anxious to to give you more money, to give you more years, to give you more things that make your job better. So coaches and agents use that kind of stuff for leverage all of the time. But I do think you're exactly right when it comes to uh, there's mutual interest or this coach is involved in this coaching search. Like if you're going to get it and take it, great. But if you're not, it's best to 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 get out of there as quickly as possible um, because you know, the, the NBA game in any sort of professional sport is vastly different than the college coaching game. Recruiting is 12 months a year. It's 365. And every day that you're linked to something that suggests you might not be at your current job any day now 
it's it's a day that other coaches are using it against you when it comes to recruiting. It's a day that you are perhaps falling behind a little bit. And so you don't like that kind of stuff to linger too long. If, if you, you, you can use it for leverage, um, that that's good. But if you reach a point where it seems more likely than not you ain't getting the job and you are a college coach and now it appears you're going to remain at, at your current job, it's best to get it over with as quickly as possible because um, then you can get back to telling 16 and 17 year old prospects, this is where I'm going to be. Here is why you can you can shape the story your own way as opposed to having the story shaped for you. In other words, if John Beeline just rides this thing out, um, it could have been another week. Who knows where his name is linked to an NBA job, which means everybody recruiting against John Beeline is telling kids Hey, John Beeline's great, sure, but like he ain't gonna be there, or at least he's considering leaving. And if he doesn't leave this year, he might leave next year. So, like, are you sure you want to commit to that? Um, that's not helpful. And then uh, let's say that the job ultimately goes to Dwayne Casey instead of John Beeline. Well, then people are using it against you. Like, hey, he don't want to be at Michigan. He was trying to get the Pistons job. Uh, they just ended up going with somebody else. But when you publicly, and he did it via Twitter withdraw from a coaching search uh, it, it 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 you can forever say they didn't pick somebody else over me I got out of there I decided it's not what I wanted to do and I'm not at Michigan because I couldn't get the Pistons job I'm at Michigan because I want to be at Michigan I chose Michigan I was still in play with the Pistons I chose Michigan it's just all in the way you can frame the story and and I, it's why I wasn't surprised that he did what he did yeah and we we thought that it was more likely than not that he was going to stay at Michigan, and that winds up being the ultimate end game here. And I think, I think with this, um, the one major flirtation, it's in the area with the NBA. He doesn't uh, doesn't wind up seeing it through. He's going to retire um, at Michigan and go down as the greatest coach in Michigan basketball history. And I think he's got still plenty in the tank. I mean, he's he's 65, uh, a minimum five seasons. It just judging from the outside in here, I think he's got. Uh, still a lot that he can achieve and we'll see if he can get back to another final four or not but he's building up a pretty remarkable career and with this now Michigan uh, cements itself as a preseason top 25 team I would guess the Wolverines will be a universal preseason top 25 team we've got them 21st I believe in our top 25 and one and when we get to November and you see the assembly of all the, um, the types of coaches AP other mainstream media outlet polls I think you'll see the Wolverines spread across the board there they've got a pretty solid team coming back so that's that's a boon, and uh, and yeah, just an interesting little, you know, twist of a plot here for college basketball. But Beeline remains uh, remains on, and so we do not have a significant coaching change in June for the second straight season, which would have been fun. But I'm not uh, I'm not opposed to the fact that <laughs> that we are the way we are right now, and uh, the carousel doesn't uh, pick up too much more speed. So, uh, meantime, on Monday morning, Auburn announced a contract extension for Bruce Pearl, which was met. Uh, by some college basketball fans with a big eye roll because obviously uh, Auburn was one of the college basketball program, uh, programs impacted by the ongoing FBI investigation. For people who might have forgotten, uh, back in September, associate head coach uh, Chuck Person was arrested and charged with, I believe, six federal crimes. Or he's, he's at least at this point facing six uh, federal charges uh, for his role in um, in in this ongoing college basketball scandal. The allegations are very specific that – uh, Chuck Person accepted in excess of $90,000 from a financial advisor and um, provided 
at least some of that to the families of two Auburn basketball players in hopes of creating influence so that when those players turn professional, whenever they would uh, sign with this this financial advisor who was providing the money uh, to Chuck Person and the uh, uh, U.S. Uh, Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York has decided that is a federal crime. And so Chuck Person was was fired. And, you know, as well as I do, that at, at various points in the season, um, nobody ever reported Bruce Pearl's done at Auburn or, you know, it's over for Bruce Pearl. But that was the prevailing thought that he was not going to be the head coach at Auburn in the 2018-19 season. And as long as we're speaking candidly, um, I had people who, uh, you know, I, I can I guess loosely be described as industry sources, the type of folks who who tend to know about these types of things, who at, at certain points would say, hey, I'm hearing the you know BP stuff might go down this week, might be, go down next week. Um, again, there were times in the season where basically nobody – and I think maybe Bruce even was leaning this direction, thought that that he was going to be able to continue as Auburn's head coach. Uh, but then the season unfolded, and even though his athletic director was fired, in part because of this, but partly because of other things, the softball scandal that you mentioned among them, um, even though the, the AD didn't survive all this, Bruce Pearl did. And he went on to win a bunch of games, uh, share an SEC regular season title, the first one at Auburn in like 18 years, Went to the NCAA tournament, even though he lost his two best players to the FBI investigation or two of his better players to the FBI investigation. They were suspended for the entire year. Um, and based on what they got coming back, a preseason top 10 team. So things are good with Auburn basketball. But still, um, that FBI investigation is, is a very real thing that impacted the program. And so when Auburn announced on Monday morning this contract extension, like I said, there were some eye rolls. And I get it. I, I get it. You know, Bruce Pearl is somebody who's had NCAA problems in his past, was hired at Auburn while still serving a show cause penalty. And then his associate head coach is out there taking money from a financial advisor and providing it to uh, student athletes. Like none of that is good stuff. And um, so I, I, I understand why people, some people say some of the things that they say. But one of the points I tried to make in the column and this isn't to defend Bruce, it's just to provide context, is that though Arizona and USC and Auburn were three of the biggest schools connected to this, you know, where, where coaches were indicted and subsequently fired, the cases are not the same. In other words, at, at Arizona, uh, the allegations against Book Richardson uh, are that he was accepting money from an outside influence and using it to actually buy players, to buy recruits, you know, to, to get student athletes on campus at Arizona. And so there, if, if those allegations are true, um, Arizona benefited at a, as a basketball program from book Richardson's alleged crimes, Sean Miller as a head coach benefited from book Richardson's alleged crimes. Um, but at Auburn, that's not the allegations. The allegations are not that Chuck Person was taking money and buying Austin Wiley out of high school or Danielle Purifoy out of high school. The allegations are that Chuck Person was taking money and then providing it to players who were already on campus, not to keep them on campus, but to ensure when they turn pro that they – conduct business with 
the financial advisor who was providing the money to Chuck Person. And in other words, if if that – and those are the facts of the case as we know them now. And if that's what reality is, Auburn did not benefit from Chuck Person doing what he was doing, and Bruce Pearl didn't benefit from Chuck Person doing what he was doing. The only people who benefited from Chuck Person doing what he was doing was Chuck Person and the families of two players. But again, those families were not compensated to get them to come to Auburn. They were already at Auburn. Those families were compensated, again, according to the allegations, to for those players to then someday conduct business with a financial advisor. And so I know with some, this is a distinction without difference, but I do think it's an important note to make that if you want to insist Bruce Pearl shouldn't have a job because coming off of a show cost pen- penalty, he hired somebody who was quite clearly, uh, allegedly, breaking NCAA rules, major violations, that, that, that's fine with me. And that, that's a, a, a reasonable criticism, I guess, although coaches are, are allowed to keep their jobs all the time. Um, even though their assistants might have been out there rocking and rolling in violation of the NCAA rule book. But if if that's not a deal breaker for you, then then that's not a deal breaker. Because, again, it, the allegations are not that Bruce's assistant was out there buying players for Auburn, buying players for Bruce Pearl. The allegation is that Bruce's assistant was out there accepting money and providing it to families to try to get those families to send their kids to a certain financial advisor. And I hope that people understand the difference between those two things. And that difference combined with, let's not lie to each other, the on-the-court success and the product that's set to return are the reasons that Bruce Pearl is not only continuing as Auburn's coach, but you know he's, now he's got a contract that's worth more money and has got more years on it. This is – we can get a little cheeky with this too if we want because this is, <laughs> this is absolutely – pulling a rabbit out of a hat if you're Bruce Pearl. It just is. Uh, I mean, you mentioned what you had heard as you were doing this. I brought up, I had to search my phone, but I had written a, a column about Auburn and Pearl about five days, four days before Christmas in which Auburn was off to, you know, one of the best starts in program history. And I'd spoken to Pearl and all this. And after that went up, I got two different messages from unrelated people in, in the college basketball world um, saying, both of them saying, I, I'm hearing that Bruce Pearl will be out at the end of the year. So this is this is all interesting, but um, a, you know this is going to be his last season at Auburn. Did not end up happening that way, not even remotely. Um, and for him to have done this, surely with the winning, of course, getting Auburn to share a regular season championship in the SEC, something the school almost never does. It's absolutely huge, and in a way, it, it just it kind of adds to the. Uh, the overall essence of Bruce Pearl. I mean, there are a lot of people who are not big Bruce Pearl fans in college basketball. I'm not even talking about fans of, of opposing programs or anything like that. Um, because of his history, he has created some enemies um, who were certainly uh, smirking a bit when Auburn got roped into this. Now, the other thing I'll add, Parrish, is this is all fine and dandy uh, and great for Bruce uh, that he's able to stay on and Auburn's going to be a compelling team again next season but the NCAA has not yet had its say with Auburn and I'll be interested to see when we get to that point how much Bruce is or isn't um, really tethered strongly to this uh, because ultimately person was on his staff and the NCAA is trying its committee on infractions is trying to 
its damnedest to stick to its uh, its its modern principles and that hold it wants to hold head coaches accountable for nefarious action being done by anyone on their on, on a given coach's staff. And so I still think there is a possibility Bruce could face some suspension or other potential sanctions down the road. Again, we don't have a timeline on that. That might be two years from now. Who knows where Bruce and Auburn are going to be at that point? So it's good in the here and the now, but he's not completely out of this. We wait and see what's going to happen in that regard. Um, but between all of that and then him apparently reportedly not complying with Auburn's investigation, although Bruce told me on the record that that he was and those reports were false. So who, who really knows um, what was the truth and the half-truth on either side there? He gets out, Auburn keeps its coach, and the basketball program for the first – Auburn's football team is going to be good, um, but if you put them in their respective sports – this upcoming season might be the first, second, third time ever in the past three, four decades that Auburn's basketball program projects to be better uh, than Auburn's football program in its respective sports. So it's an interesting and exciting time for uh, for Tigers fans who are thrilled. Make no mistake about it. Very few Auburn fans that I've come across, be it on Twitter or elsewhere, um, are, are disappointed at all uh, with the fact that Bruce is remaining on his coach. And you make a good and fair point, which is that we don't know still – you know, what is going to be said under oath? Um, we don't know still everything that's going to come out as this FBI investigation continues to unfold. But um, some of the people who have been fired and are facing federal prison either A, go to trial or B, start to cooperate. And so it's possible Bruce can get roped into this. No question. You know, who knows what Chuck Person is ultimately going to say about what his boss did or did not do and did or did not know. But it appears that Auburn is making uh, the same decision that basically every school, as it relates to its head coach, who has been in connected to this in some form, has made other than Louisville, which is, you know what, we're going to ride this thing out. Well, you know, we, we, we recognize that we might have issues down the road, but we're going to ride this thing out. It's and, and we're going to make somebody provide real allegations against our head coach or real proof against our head coach before we start making coaching changes related to, to this FBI investigation. I, I don't know whether that's right or wrong, but again, that appears to be what has happened at Arizona. It appears to be what has happened at USC. It appears to be what has happened at Kansas it appears to be what has happened everywhere. Again, the only head coach to lose his job, um, as a, you know, as a part of this FBI investigation so far, is Rick Pitino, who did not actually have an assistant or any staff member uh, arrested or charged with a crime. Everybody else is is still, I don't want to say, uh, moving along as they always were, because it has changed the reputation of some of these coaches and. And certainly change the job security for some of these coaches. But as of June 8, 2018, um, no matter what uh, Andy Enfield did or did not do or did or did not know or what his assistant, former assistant, is going to eventually say, Andy Enfield still got his job at USC. Same thing for Sean Miller at Arizona. Same thing for you know uh, Bill Self at, at Kansas. And same thing for, for everybody. And that has been one of the... I guess surprising things is that as we sit here all these months later, after that initial wave of arrest, um, it really hasn't 
changed college basketball, at least the people working in college basketball, all that much at all. Um, I, I think most people believe that it would. And, and again, it still could, but it hasn't yet. It hasn't, and uh, you know, I feel like we're maybe at a halfway point with all that. The trials still have to happen. Details come out from that. We wait and see uh, with any change. And you know, the biggest change, I guess, overall um, is the is the commission's. You know, we talked about this plenty. We don't need to go back into it, but their suggestions, and then what's going to change from an infrastructure standpoint. So that creates a lot of noise, and it will create legislative action. There's no doubt about it. But when you really get inside the machine and see how the the gears turn, um, we'll see. I, I do believe, Parrish, that over the past six, seven months, um, maybe you know some of the operational behind the scenes shady infrastructure of how college basketball recruiting could have been altered in in the short term but not but not ultimately i think that's changed but th- those are those are results that we don't get to see like you're not going to you know those are decisions that did or did not get made um scares that were put into people or coaching staffs uh certainly things that almost no one will wind up talking about publicly um so i think it has had impact but there has not been the the result of okay this is how college basketball was you had an fbi story you had two major um you know documents released indictments released uh at two different points by the fbi and that resulted in three coaches or six coaches or seven coaches being being fired that just hasn't happened yet and it doesn't look like we're on that path still could be a chance that we get to see more but that's not where we're at right now no um and it's but like as I'm sitting here thinking about it, you know, as we mentioned, there was a moment in the season where basically nobody thought Bruce Pearl was keeping his job. But not only did he keep his job, he got a contract extension. There was also a moment in the season where basically nobody thought Sean Miller was keeping his job. And he obviously kept his job. It is it is fascinating to think about it from that perspective. I mean, two big, big names in the sport were at least in terms of perception, uh, really on the ropes. And Yet it just it just didn't go that direction. Both have at least survived it so far, and um, that doesn't guarantee they will, you know, be here in a year in their same job. Because, like I said, who knows, you know, when Book Richardson um, either goes to trial or starts to cooperate, you know, who knows what he may or may not say. I, I don't pretend to know, but um, you know, it, I, I I personally wouldn't want my associate head coach of a decade. Um, on you know, having to cooperate with federal authorities who are asking me, uh, who are asking him questions about me and recruiting and NCAA violations. Um, if I ran a high major program, I, I think almost I don't want to I don't want to paint with a broad brush. I think lots of guys would would find themselves in a in a tricky situation if if in a similar situation. Um, so who knows what what the future holds? But so far, you know, as of June eight, two thousand eighteen, um. All of the firings and and careers being uh, damaged and and done that so many people predicted it just hasn't it hasn't played out that way um, and and perhaps it, it 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 ultimately won't we'll see uh, like you mentioned earlier Mike Davis is the new head coach at Detroit after Detroit conducted a con- coaching search for uh, like seven years it, it it felt like it ultimately settled on uh mike davis and 
you know, I, I know going from Texas Southern to Detroit isn't like, you know, going to one of the Power Five leagues or the Big East or the American Athletic Conference, but it is still a better job in a better league and probably an opportunity that that Mike deserves because I, I don't know what people think about Mike Davis from a distance. I think he's most famous for, you know, his stint at Indiana that didn't end well. But he's a good basketball coach. I think he's made nine NCAA tournaments in 17 years as a coach. Like that's a that, and and done it at places where maybe you don't usually go to the NCAA tournament. Um, he's had a, a a nice career. Now, obviously not Hall of Fame career, but he's had a nice career, and it's it's nice to see him. I think be rewarded for that. He's got a really interesting story. Uh, one that frankly I think I'd like to write someday. Um, serves as Bob Knight's assistant. Gets the Indiana job amid the disastrous end to Knight's tenure at IU in 2000 and takes the Hoosiers to the title game in 2002 and what and what I think was maybe um, one of the more boring title games. I mean, Maryland-Indiana is really one of the more forgettable ones, but regardless, I mean, he took that Indiana team there, got them there, took Indiana to three NCAA tournaments, didn't end well. The fan base kind of got fed up, but then it's interesting to see the course of Indiana basketball, I guess, if you really track it back to like the final four or five years with Knight, up till like now, and now they got Romeo Langford. There is a, something of a of an overarching saga with IU hoops. But Davis then goes to UAB. He only makes one NCAA tournament while coaching in Conference USA with the Blazers. But they were a fairly respectable program almost the entire time he was there. And then he's out there, takes the Texas Southern job, and he's been real. I mean, he, first of all, he averaged twenty wins at UAB. So you, if you're able to do that in what was uh, a, still a competitive Conference USA that yes had dipped near the end of uh, his tenure there because of the uh, the conference realignment that had been played played out. That's fine. Whatever. And then he gets to Texas Southern, was there the past six years, makes four NCAA tournaments, and was known for scheduling nothing but essentially top 70 programs all on the road in order to fund his entire athletic department. And that's a whole other discussion about the fact that that even needs to happen in leagues like the SWAC and stuff. It, it shows a lot of the the problematic issues with Division One basketball having 352 teams now. Um, it's not a good thing, but regardless of that, he was still able to overcome just torturous non-conference scheduling uh, by by necessities to do so and still was winning 22 games, 23 games, 16 games, making the NCAA tournament. Now he gets a chance to bump up in league, go coach at Detroit for Detroit. It, to have a coaching search at a mid-major like that extend more than two months uh, is not a good look, particularly after you fired your coach after two years. Bakari Alexander was their former Michigan assistant under John Beeline, to wrap it around and, and circle this thing back. Um, they get Davis. I think it's a, a pretty freaking good hire, and I, I would not be surprised at all if Davis was able to become uh, one of the few coaches who takes four schools – to four uh, to the NCAA tournament, uh, four you know four different times he would do that with Texas Southern, UAB, and obviously Indiana. So just a little bit of a small hire, but he deserves some mention there. He is he has done well for himself. He is a solid coach and made the absolute best out of a situation at Texas Southern. I expect Detroit. Um, to be competitive fairly quickly. I expect him to, to thrive there. This might be the final job he has, but I think they will come out of the horizon at least once with an NCAA tournament out of Mike Davis. He's a quality coach, and that's a good hire by Detroit Mercy. I'll provide some details, and then we'll get out of here. Um, at Indiana, four NCAA tournaments in six years. 
advanced in three of those NCAA tournaments, like you mentioned, went to a Final Four to the national championship game in 2002. And he gets the UAB job. And first year was bad, 15 and 16. But in year two, goes 12 and four in the league, finishes second. Year three, goes 11 and five in the league, finishes third. Year four, goes 11 and five in the league, finishes tied for third. Year five, finishes 12 and four in the league, first in the league, goes to his first NCAA tournament at UAB. But in those previous three years, years two, three, and four, went to the NIT each time. And you got to remember that's during a time where, you know, his first three years in the league were, you know, when John Calipari had Memphis rocking and rolling with Derrick Rose and Tyreek Evans and those guys. So like you're, everybody's playing for second at that point in that league. And, and in year two, he finished second and year two, he, he finished third. Um, and then, and then, you know, ultimately goes to the NCAA tournament and then gets the Texas Southern job and wins the league in year one, even though he didn't win the automatic bid. But in year two, NCAA tournament, year three, NCAA tournament, year four, NIT, year five, tournament, year six, tournament, never finished worse than second in the SWAC and finished first uh, four different times in six years. So that's like that's a good career. You know, to be able to have 17 seasons at the D1 level suggests you've you've got some some good stuff to you, with very few exceptions to that rule. Um, but he hasn't just held a job for a long time. He's he's succeeded in different jobs at the highest level of the sport and at the lowest level of the sport. And so I'm with you. Uh, I think I don't know why it took Detroit this long to, to to get something done, but ultimately they ended up in a pretty good place. They did indeed, and that uh, that should just about wrap up any sort of coaching news we think. Uh, always is a possibility that we could have something different, but we uh, we creep closer toward the NBA draft and then uh, July recruiting period, and then and on we go. And maybe next week we'll get into some NBA draft stuff. I know that was uh, tentatively on the on the schedule for this one, but uh, there's really no recent developments. Um, that have impacted anything we might have said even a week ago. But by the time we talk next week, I believe Michael Porter Jr. would have worked out for NBA teams, and uh, his medicals may or may not be known at that point as well. And so uh, we'll we'll get into some NBA draft stuff uh, on the next episode of the Island College Basketball Podcast. But for now, shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M. F. and Teagle. He's the legend. And remember to please go subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcast. That's the best way to get your hands on the most recent episode as quickly as possible. If you have a, really, it just takes five seconds, rate it favorably, uh, five stars, a nice comment. That's all we ask. And like I said, we will talk to you again next week. Till then, take care.